The Internet, an interconnected web of genre TV spoilers. This is a podcast about Star Trek. It's It's mission to view every episode of Star Trek, the original series. To evaluate old TV from a new perspective. To boldly go where many have gone before. Prime Reflective. I am Captain Vic this week, and with with me there is Bill. Hey, hey Vic, how are you doing? <laughs> I guess we're introducing yeah. ourselves. <laughs> yep. And Rain, hi, hi Vic, Yay! hi Phil. <laughs> hey. Anything new going on this week, guys? Well. You know, (laughs) this week I can't think of anything that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing of note, nothing of importance at all. Yeah, at the time of this recording, the world ended. World ended. Yeah, the uh, U.S. election was this last week. (laughs) I, I was thinking, and I may hate myself for saying this on this podcast, but you've heard of the Brexit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I've heard people call Trump being elected the Trexit. <laughs> um, so I was thinking this, this podcast is like a Trexit in that let's get off of this planet <laughs> and go like somewhere that. that no one has gone before. Somewhere a little more hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I, can, I can get on board with that. Please, let's so, go. So t- <laughs> So take us somewhere uh, pleasant, Vic. Okay, this is episode 1.1, Man Trap, um, which I don't quite understand why it has that name. Maybe you guys can explain that to me. But it starts out um, with the sh- with the Enterprise outside planet M113, and Spock is on the bridge running stuff. And then McCoy, Dr. McCoy, Captain Kirk, and a guy in a blue shirt called Darnell are on the surface, and they went there to evaluate the health of an archaeologist named Robert Crater and his wife, Nancy, who happens to be McCoy's old flame. So what would you guys think of, of uh, that, that this planet I thought, surface here? I thought the uh, planet surface set was pretty good. The rocks still look like styrofoam. But I thought the de- deserty aspect was kind of cool. Um, so this doctor is actually named Doctor Crater. Like that is that seems like it would be your first draft of a sci-fi name. It's like <laughs> got Doctor Lasers here, Doctor Rocket Ship, Doctor Crater. <laughs> oh, it's so innocent. Or at least you'd think you'd have a really bad dermatological problem. (laughs) That's why I kept looking at him, and I was like, nope, nope, no problem with this face. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, I was excited though because there was Captain Kirk, and this is the first time that I've watched yeah, an episode yes. with Captain Kirk. Yes. Oh, please, I want to know your your impressions. Tell me. Okay, my first impression is he's naughty. He is so ornery, that Captain Kirk. He is just picking on McCoy because he's like, ooh, you want a flower for your girl? Oh, you want to get here early for your girl? You know, I was like... The flowers he picks are like wheat, though. Like, it's not... (laughs) (laughs) The only thing you got. (laughs) I think the only point is just to pick on McCoy because he's naughty, that Kirk. I think... Yeah, what was... What was... What was the nickname? Plum? Something like that. Oh. Plum. <laughs> yeah. I think Kirk is, I mean, compared to the last episode we, we watched, which had Captain Pike, Captain Kirk is, like, uh, head and shoulders above Pike. He's, like, because he is still kind of naughty, like you said, but he's still likable, you know? Yeah, he's mischievous. Um, whereas Pike was just kind of, like, whiny and... Ugh. And cardboard. Pike um, was cardboard. So I think we should be yeah, thankful yeah. that NBC no is back. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I actually, I was like, oh, I like Kirk. I, you know, just that smile and him picking on his buddy. I thought yeah. that was pretty fun. And young William Shatner too. He's like, he's like, he's a looker. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of weird. Like I said before, he looks like my stepdad, and that's that's. Oh. Well, you have a very handsome stepdad, then, probably. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> the lady thinks so is what I've heard. To me, he's just, you know, Rafa. He's not. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, this set, it's, like like Phil said, still styrofoamy, but I think it looked good. It served its purpose. There was a couple, there were a couple nice areas. The ledge where they found Darnell, the ruins showing off, you know, kind of where Crater's been doing archaeology. I thought it was serviceable. Yeah, the ruins were pretty cool because, you know, it was like not, didn't feel like earth ruins, you know? I thought that was pretty cool. Like the structures, mm-hmm. I thought, thought were, you know, different. Um. Also, did you guys get the thought when you saw McCoy and, and, and Kirk and another guy, did you guys go, oh, the other guy's going to die. Why is his shirt not red? Because that was my first thought. <laughs> Why is his shirt not red? I feel like at this point the security oh, yeah. team was not red-shirted yet. I don't think that they decided. Because he would have been red-shirted later I on I think it's series, because right? they were medical team to check up on Crater and his wife. Because Crater and his wife have been on this planet, and they have to check and make sure that the planet hasn't been tearing them apart, you know? And so, don't all the medical people wear blue? Or is that just uh, yeah. yeah? Medical, medical and science off. Medical and science wear blue. Okay. And didn't you get the feeling that Darnell was like a, a helper, you know, to McCoy? I guess. I don't I, know. I couldn't. I, couldn't I tell what didn't was. even <laughs> consider it. I just assumed. Darnell was there. I mean, I saw get, Darnell, and I, I was like, oh, this killed. is. This is another body here. That's what they needed, and they got a they got a body. So <laughs> you you're like walking. You're, you're, yes. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Okay, so they go in the place and they encounter Nancy, 
Nancy Crater, uh, the wife, who was McCoy's old flame. And uh, when they're when they're in there, like it shows from the POV. I thought this was really cool. The po point of view of each of the three guys, uh, and she looks like a different woman from each of their point of view. Yeah. Like McCoy, she's like young. Which... Yeah. And Kirk, she's older, and uh, uh, Darnell, she's a va-va-voom blonde lady. So From the pleasure <laughs> planet. From the pleasure planet. I, I had a question about that. So what is yeah. uh, What is Wrigley's pleasure planet? Is that like a <laughs> whorehouse planet? Or is that like... Like a casino? Well, I imagine like brick walls covered in ivy... Hmm. And a bunch <laughs> of hookers. That's what I imagined it being. His, so what, what Darnell actually says to her, to uh, Nancy, when he sees her, is he says, you look like a girl I met on Wrigley's Pleasure Planet. Okay. Probably a short leave time, I'm guessing. So is that just like him saying, you look like a whore I once knew? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. That's I just, what uh... I <laughs> Especially with how insulted everyone was by Darnell, like, opening his mouth and inserting his foot. Right. I just, yeah. uh, it seems, Star Trek always seems like a place where people don't really know how to introduce themselves, and I thought that was one of the... <laughs> Is that it? So, so far, that's, like, one of our top botched introductions. Is that You look like someone from Wrigley's Pleasure Planet. Maybe he thought it was a compliment, like, like I guess, like, like some, you know, really bad, dumb guys might be like, hey, you look like that, that waitress I had at Hooters, you know, maybe. What? I think he's just so shocked to see who he know who he met somewhere else on this planet. It's just out of, he's just pure, purely shocked to see, okay. oh my gosh, you look exactly like so-and-so. Maybe, and then he didn't realize what he was saying until yeah. later. But I don't know. He was kind of like stepped outside. Yeah. I thought he was leery and creepy. Like, ugh. Um, why does Kirk see her with gray hair? Because uh, does Kirk know what she looks like at all? Kirk's never seen her, to my knowledge. I mean, we I guess we don't really know. But that's my question. Is, is this creature a shapeshifter, or does she just project a mental image into your head? Because they... they it's never clear. Yeah. I see. Like it isn't clear, but I liked the idea that she's projecting the image in your head because all three of the guys are in the same scene with her, and they're all seeing her differently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost what it has to be. And like it seems like later, uh, uh, later she seems like you know when she's coming after McCoy, um, and she's like, well, I like the way that you feel about me most. Like, you know, it seems like she's tying mm. on Darnell and McCoy's versions of her, whereas as Kirk is already going into it as, you know, this is my friend's lady, and maybe she's shopping for someone oh, different yeah. than Crater. You know, mm. she's like, oh, Kirk's not interested. This is what he's going to imagine me as. And, you know, so she's just seeing making her self look like crater caesar and then but she's like oh mccoy has these feelings oh this is what darnell wants you know and then because she's like a like a I beautiful flower you know <laughs> tempting the little 
bug to come near and then she eats the bug. You know what I mean? So, so she's a man trap. You just you she, just explained you it go. to yourself. Oh, that's what you figured it out. Thank you. <laughs> I was wondering you about that. that. I was wondering that's about why it was called man trap. She's trapping the mans. She's trapping the mans. But uh, I don't know. Did don't you guys think it's not likely that she's shape shifting? Because it, it can't be when they're all three looking at her differently. Yeah. Yeah. It Which has to be that mental projection she's given out. I, I you think it's based on what they want her to look like, or what she wants them to think she looks like i can't that's what i can't figure she's got to be able to read their minds to be able to pull out the pleasure planet girl yeah and yeah i i think it's what she wants them to think she looks like okay there's a whole lot of power there that they didn't address in the episode well yeah but also think about just women in general like as a woman when i go to work and i've makeup and I've done my hair and I make myself look nice I get treated differently than when I go to work and I feel like crap and I haven't done any makeup and I haven't done anything Hmm. like like I totally get treated differently and so if Hmm. this is a being that's looking into interacting with other beings and getting something that she wants from them she's making herself look how she wants them to treat her well hmm that it that makes this, show, this episode that. a lot more insightful than I had originally thought. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, a lot more empathetic. Okay, so uh, so they all see her this way. Darnell leaves the well, he gets kicked out of the room with the other people because he, you know, essentially tells her she looks like a hooker, and. Um, and she and they're like, hey, Nancy, can you go get your hubby? So she goes out, and when she walks by Darnell, she's that blonde bombshell lady, and she lures him away. And then the, Bob Crater, the the husband, he goes in and he's like goes into the room the room where uh, McCoy and um, Kirk are, and he's all like grumbly and like. Why don't you guys get off of here? We just need some salt tablets, otherwise we're healthy. And you guys just go. We want to do our own stuff. But uh, Kirk and McCoy have to check him out because that's protocol. Yeah. So, what'd you guys think of Crater? Uh, he seems uh, like a fantastic actor. I'm gonna put that up there right away. <laughs> <laughs> he. Seems... Oh, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. Are you sarcastic? Are you serious? I was being sarcastic. I didn't care for his acting. He he seems like he's a. A uh, libertarian dude living in Nebraska. <laughs> He's got a shotgun. He's saying, everyone stay off my lawn. Put it off the grid. Right. Well, that's how he comes across. And that was later, exactly it, yeah. And not that way. That's not what he's doing later. Yeah. But that's how he's trying to put on this no, but he... unapproachable persona to get them to go. Yeah, but he could have handled it a lot better. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I, I don't mind. I don't mind him not being. I he's not a perfect dude, is I guess my thing. So it's fine if he his tactics for getting people off no. the land don't really make sense. Like I think that they would make sense yeah. to him. So I was fine with the character. Well, and I think it would work with a lot of people. But I think that 
you know, McCoy having a, a, a past entanglement with Nancy and um, just being, you know, you know, competent at his job makes them uh, have more stick to itiveness. I, I know, I know, I can be intimidated away by grumbly people. I'm just like, okay, goodbye. Yeah. You know, so I mean, if, it would work yeah. on a lot of people. If I showed up, I would have left, but not Captain Kirk because he's a he's a toughie. He's a cool dude. <laughs> he is in control. Um, they, Nancy screams and they find a dead Darnell and I, I had this Ooh, thought he's dead shock. as a Darnell. Darnell died. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I'm surprised and, they even gave him a name to begin with. I know. I wondered if they were going to name him when I first saw him. <laughs> I was like, oh, they did. Um, and he's got what looks like kind of like hickeys all over his face. And she says that he ate a poisonous plant. And then she has some of the worst acting I've ever seen. And so, did you guys agree with me? Was that like the worst acting you've ever seen? It it wasn't great. It yeah. was not great. I feel like it was maybe kind of typical of the time period, but yeah, it's not. She's not a <sighs> good actress. Yeah, very I'm stage, stagey. Then, but wow, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, can this be over now? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so uh, then we go to the oh we go to the bridge and guess who's on the bridge? It's Uhura yeah. and she's with, and she's like like kind of playing with him <laughs> like flirting with him and and uh, trying to like break his logic kind of thing but he's totally oblivious and like what are you doing kind of thing. I, I like her a lot. <laughs> so before that we actually got the actual Star Trek title scene that we all know and love and was oh, not yeah. in the pilot episode. And yeah, like oh, that's right. The font that was... Music. The music and the... Like, everything is just, ah, I'm home now. I, like, relax. <laughs> and, ah, it's now, it's really Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> but, Why uh, do you guys think of Ahura? I, that scene I liked a lot. It's a... Uh, an actual just a character scene. It doesn't really do much to advance the plot, really. It's just, like, introducing characters and how they interact. And it's, like, awesome to have this thing in this show. <laughs> Instead of just, like, running around from place to place and always, like, oh, there's an alien over here. We have to do something. It's nice to have, be able to take a break like that. It made... Yeah. Well, like, I think, you know, you can do the character stuff with plot development and stuff. I think that that's it's a more clean plot, but I think that you know, a more clean storytelling when you incorporate those things and do multi, you know, tasking with the, each scene. But considering the episode, the pilot episode and how much just like meandering they did, mm -hmm. I thought this was pretty effective. You know, it was at least entertaining to watch, you know. It was endearing us to the characters so that we care about what happens to them later. It, it's it's nice to have that up front. Yeah. And I, I did I, still feel it did still feel like this this scene was written like Uhuru's dialogue was written by a man. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. but it, <laughs> it was at least it was at least somewhat yeah, endearing for the characters. Um, well, especially her performance. I thought her performance was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and uh, 
she starts talking to Spock about like how he he's not romantic and he's she's talking about like what he feels when he sees the moon and he has this line Vulcan has no moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I should let you say it. I'm sorry. I love it so much. I, I can't do the impression, but I, I, that is that's like a famous line from Star Trek. Vulcan has no moon. Oh, is it? That when I looked up the top ten Star Trek quotes on whatever.com, that's one that came up. Oh, I like that. Well, at first I was kind of getting annoyed. I was like, oh, this is how they're gonna introduce Uhura and I think it's because I'm primed from that pilot being so freaking misogynistic mm-hmm. but sure. like but when he was responding the way he responded I was like oh she's not really flirting yeah. she's playing she's <laughs> playing with him because his reactions are so unique and so different to what she's you know what what yeah. humans reactions are which was cool to you know give the Vulcan you know thought you know the way it, culture you know and show it playing off of uh uhura um i think uh one of my favorite what i like the most about star trek from the few episodes that i've seen is when it turns into like an office comedy in space kind of (laughs) and i mean this is really our first scene of that in the show and i that's why i think i liked it so much that was a great scene yeah yeah i liked it um, then, um, uh, McCoy is in the med bay and he doesn't, he's, he's like, oh, this poison didn't kill Darnell. And he, um, tries to, he's, he's trying to explain to Kirk that Nancy looked like two different women to him, but the way he's wording it is like, uh, you know, all like romantical and whatnot. And so Kirk's like, Hey dude, that. Darnell's dead, don't you care? So did you guys, like, think from that that Kirk was overreacting? Like, of course, like, like if they could have communicated this, they could, at this point, they could have, like, actually, you know, saved a lot. Like, if Kirk would have just listened to McCoy telling him, hey, she looked like two different chicks, like, it would have saved a lot of lives in this yeah. this story. I don't know. I don't know. It's... It's possible, but it's such a it's such a leap in logic to go from oh Bones remembering her from his past oh she's a shapeshifter <laughs> like there's such a leap there that I don't know that him just listening I think his anger was totally justified if you're the captain someone just died on your watch you know feet feet away from you he's probably is just as angry at himself as he is at what's going on I don't know I thought it was justified. Yeah, and well, I like I that think... moment. We're seeing we see the soft side of Kirk down there, and now we're seeing the rough captain take charge side. I... Well, I think that could work, except for in the scene, like in the scene itself, like they're doing one level, and then all of a sudden Kirk just explodes. You know what I mean? Like, like instead of him coming in and them feeling like there's a big impetus right there. I think. Uh... Kirk is looking at McCoy as someone who still has to get over his ex. And so I think what makes him so mad is that he thinks that McCoy is putting his ex-girlfriend or ex-wife ahead of a dead crew member. And that's what sets Kirk off so much. Um, Mm. So I think it's justified that he kind of blows up like that. Yeah. But if he would (laughs) have just listened. (laughs) Just listen. Um... Then we have, oh, we're on the bridge, and, uh, uh, sorry. Oh, 
they're just talking and they're talking about how uh, Spock has been doing research on what's going on down there. And essentially all that comes from that scene is that the craters haven't been getting their usual shipments. Mm-hmm. But um, also Spock has this weird thing sticking out of his ear. Did you guys notice that? I wrote that down that? too. I wrote down Spock's earpiece is ridiculous and giant. It looks painful. You, it's so iconic, though. It's in, I mean, it's usually Uhura wearing it. She's wearing it in almost every episode that I can remember. Yeah, but she's then she has it. her hand holding it, and it looks like she's holding it to her ear. As opposed to him, it looks like, ow! No, it, it, it stays in her ear. She often wears it upside down, too, I think. Oh, really? But it, it, it's, it stays in there. But yeah, I, I don't remember often seeing Spock wear it, so it was I was surprised to see it in this episode that him wearing it. That has to just to stay in the actor's ear. It has to go so far into their ear canal, doesn't it? It's got to be like no, it, it's well, it's not real metal, so it's going to be something super light, and it just okay. it just feels when he pulls it out, you can see it's not deep. It ju- it's just big and just um, I'm not sure how I'm not sure if they're made to fit each of the characters' ears. Probably not, but. It didn't look deep when he pulled it out of his ear. Hmm. Yeah, it didn't. I thought, well, oh, he's got all this, you know, makeup on his ear to give them the Vulcan ear. So, so you know, and then she's all, so maybe that's helping somehow. I don't know. But I just, like, <laughs> you guys have had earbuds that just don't fit right and it hurts, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, yeah, they probably, Ardemo, probably you are fun. tough. This was back when you could torture actors, though. This was like... Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's pre-exorcist days when you could just like strap on something that will like hurt their hearing eventually and just tell them to deal with it the good old days <laughs> the good old days <laughs> <laughs> okay so then McCoy discovers that Darnell died from salt uh, being salt sucked or whatever um, <laughs> so, salt sucked. so they get this new landing landing party and uh it's spock kirk mccoy a guy named sturgeon and a guy named green can we guess which ones aren't mm. you know as important mm. they're the looking for the color, the green guy, yeah <laughs> they're looking yeah i know i was like is that a fish <laughs> they were they're looking for what killed darnell um all I get is that that they see Crater and he's he's acting fishy and they just keep saying salt all the time. Yes. So I'm figuring that the problem, you know, the guy dies of salt and this is a salt episode at this point because they say salt like every tenth word. Yeah. Like yeah, just in case you weren't catching catching it, it has to do with salt. I think that's fine. They only have an hour <laughs> to tell this story. They can't be too subtle about it. I think I'm, it I'm has to with do it. with salt. Yeah. yeah. So, so. so then um, Kirk wants to beam up Crater and his wife for safety because they're looking around for, you know, what's causing the, you know, death. And, but they come across Sturgeon and guess what? The fish is dead. Oh. <laughs> and oh, then no. We, show... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's funny to me. Go on. And they show Green's body, and it's dead, too. But Nancy is standing over his body. And Crater tries to get Nancy to come to him, but then her she morphs into Green. So what would you guys think of that? Uh, um... Yeah, I guess yeah, just that. Um, 
you, they were both going to die. Not, we knew it. I'm not <laughs> entirely sure what she thought her plan was getting up to the ship. I mean, she had to know. I mean, she didn't know. She must not have been thinking because it's it's not going to end well going up to the ship when you said you have a planet to hide on. I don't know. It felt yeah, it felt I, weird to me. I guess at, I don't know how how these salt vampires metabolize or how much salt they need in their diet because it, it just seems like she was like well there's He's more hungry. food on the ship so we're getting we're going to the ship and getting more food yeah and then like she's an intelligent creature so you're like is she motivated by this hunger for the salt this need to eat salt is it something more than that because like she's already presenting herself to the three guys at the beginning as this prospective, you know, woman for them. Like, is that out of hunger? Is that because she crater's not enough for her? The world's depleted of salt. She's tired of crater, and she, if she becomes green and goes up to the ship, there's all these people to prey on. But there's also food up there. Yeah. There, but also it's more companionship like at the beginning when um creators like oh you've seen my wife you know i'm okay i like being alone but you know she needs companionship and maybe there's that too when i was watching the episode i didn't get any sense that this salt vampire wanted anything more than food like i i it seemed like everything this vampire was doing was like i need more salt i need more salt uh this is a way i can get salt real quickly i'm going there to get salt like, I but never why really... does it keep going back to McCoy? Um, because it can use him, I guess. I don't know. Use him as a yeah for defense as a shield. No, I think you're right. I think, I think, it, it all of it's right. It, it's not written super well because uh-huh. they keep saying with their lips that it wants love and friendship, but none of its actions are really reflecting that. Like, if it was an intelligent creature, and obviously it is because it talks and thinks and rationalizes, it could have just gone to the, to the cafeteria and grabbed some salt shakers at the ship. Yeah. But no, instead yeah. it kills people instead of, it kills people instead of, you know, trying to live amongst them. So, I don't know. Either the animal was, uh, the salt vampire is just crazy and didn't know what it wanted, or it's poorly written. And one of those makes more sense than the other. Yeah. Well, they beam back on the ship, and the, I think the guy that's playing Green is actually, you know, really creepy, and so I guess that's yeah. good acting, you know? Like, he, I liked, I, I I was like, ooh, you know, suspense. Well, he creeps around the Enterprise for a while, and he finds uh, one of my new favorite characters, Yoman Janice, yeah. and she Yoman has Janice this, Rand. <laughs> I like her. And she's got a salt shaker, though, and he just follows her around, which is really creepy. Like, But she is so sassy, and there's these pervy guys, and she tells them off, and she tells Green off, and I liked her a lot. Yeah, Janice, uh, like, when I think of the Star Trek crew, I think of, you know, Kirk and McCoy and Spock and Sulu and Uhura um, and uh, Scotty. I do not think of Janice, but she is in the, she is all over this show. Like she She is, but then she's gone halfway through the first season. Okay. <laughs> oh, is she? Cuz I was like I've never heard of her and I like her. 
And they show her no, a lot. No, she's great. She w- yeah. She, well, yeah, she was she was a, a series regular. She was she was brought on to be a love interest for Kirk. Hmm. But um. then for various reasons they got rid of her, but she came back. I think I know she's at least she's in at least two if not three of the actual movies later on too as the same character. Oh, nice. So she's still around. The only um, problem yeah, I just, have is just, I hate her hair. The checker, the checkboard hair. Yes. The checkerboard uh, the beehive. The basket weave <laughs> beehive. I love it. I love it. It definitely roots it in a certain time and place. That hairstyle. Oh <laughs> yes. But other than that, she's awesome. And then, oh, she brings food. Okay, so she's carrying food around. So it makes me wonder if maybe yeoman, yeoman people are like waitresses, space waitresses. But anyway, she's carrying I like, food. And I like that we could have I, looked up what a yeoman was. Assistance. But oh, We could have. No. Why would we do that? <laughs> if the show doesn't tell us, I don't care. I don't want to know. That's how I feel. <laughs> but she's bringing food to Sulu. Yeah. And he's sitting there and can he's we, got a lot of weird plants around him well, and can we talk about whether this is this his room or is this like a botany i thought this was like a what's it called like an arboretum or something like a some plant science like, place and yeah. what's he doing there if he's like a pilot See, I don't know, and the show doesn't tell us because I didn't know what Sulu's job was. Just that George Takai is awesome on on you know social media. That's yeah. you know you know, and my mom used to have a signed photo of him that I stole. <laughs> this is about what I know of Sulu, but he. I think Sulu was in there because you know he's about to have a meal and he wants to look at the cool plants while he's there. I, like that's a pretty good place to take your meal if you want to get out of the cafeteria. Well, he was. Well, when she comes in there, he says, I'm in here feeding the weepers. So he's oh. feeding the plants. Never mind then. Hmm. Well, and there was, and, I know in Next Generation, yeah. there was a botanist kind of lady. So I thought maybe he was doing that. Yeah, maybe they're in between botanists and he's just, you know, helping out. <laughs> I, maybe there's, it's just one of his many hobbies. One of the plants in there is like both the worst effect and the best plant I've ever seen. <laughs> Beauregard. Yeah, Beauregard is obviously just someone like underneath the table putting his hand up through like this like paper mache plant. Yes. And like yeah. making it act like a puppet kind of, like a hand puppet. Gertrude. Um, <laughs> um I love Susan it, says her, oh, yeah, it's its name is Gertrude that it's female and uh Janice says, No, it's Beauregard, it's a man, I can tell. You know? <laughs> Beauregard was the name of my teddy bear, so I'm always. I, I was like, ah, it's Beauregard. I think right now Beauregard I'll, is my favorite alien species that we've seen so far. It is so and I looked funny. it up. I looked it up. There's no name for it. It never makes another appearance. It is just Beauregard, the hand puppet flower. That's how I have it written down. <laughs> it was. I I thought it was terrible, but it was very emotional. You know, but it was like, oh, is well, it yeah, just that was like, a nice well, little setup for, for when it sets the alarm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're in there, and green creeps around. You know, that the the crewman green shapeshifter thing creeps around, and the plant freaks out. So essentially, that 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 was Beauregard's purpose was to freak out mm-hmm. at green. And then green creeps around the Enterprise some more. I was getting really 
board of green creeping around. Yeah. And, uh... At, at this point, the show kind of turns into, like, a horror movie, where you're just, like, watching this guy walk around and stalk people, and you're like, is he gonna kill this person or not? Uh, uh. Oh, he didn't kill no. that one. He's, he's gonna kill this next one, though. He's like a slasher or something, I don't know. Like, yeah, but it, not enough not enough tension to be a slasher, you know? Right. It was just, like, boring hallway, and then this guy, like, staring creepily at people. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't work when you're when people you're stalking don't mean anything to us. Right. True. True. So someone that means something to us, Uhura appears, and then Green morphs like, into this like super super handsome crewman, and then but then the crewman goes from handsome to creepy again, and he <laughs> creeps on Uhura, and then speaks in Swahili, and then he creeps some more. And then Janice appears and Uhura can escape from him. What? These guys, like, I think they were just told, act like you're going to, you know, sexually assault her. Act like Donald Trump. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't quite tell. So this salt vampire, does it have the vampire's hypnosis powers as well? Is that why Uhura wouldn't just, like, move? (laughs) Yeah, it, it, Yeah, it, it, it hypnotizes its victims before it goes in. Okay, so they speculate that, and then I think when when it's after Kirk later, I think that pretty much cements it because you're seeing it for like I don't know how many the umpteenth time the person can't move when it's approaching. So okay, yeah, yeah. At first, it seemed like are they gonna have like a creepy makeout kind of thing with Uhura? They didn't like do the okay when Nancy freezes Kirk, like she does like a really cheesy like hand hand gesture yeah. and he freezes and like they needed something less cheesy so that so that handsome guy could do that to Ahura. Mm. you know what i mean so that like we knew that they weren't just staring at each other plus it would have been some kind of movement in the really slow paced creepy well you're, you're stared at yeah you're a big fan of buffy do the vampires in buffy have that hypnosis power and if so, how do they show Only it? in the Buffy versus Dracula episode. Okay. Oh, and Drusilla has a bit of one, but, like, she, like, locks eyes with them and, like, does this kind of snaky head thing. It says, D and me, B and me. Yeah, but, uh... <laughs> so, he should have just done that, then. <laughs> something. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it was, like... <laughs> It was, it, it, the pacing sort of hurt then, but then Janice appeared and saved the day, and Uhura got away. So Janice, again, is being awesome. And then um, McCoy can't sleep, so Kirk tells him to take some drugs. Uh, but Nancy finds him, and she tries to seduce him and convinces him to take sleeping pills. And I was like, mm-hmm. like, she is fixated on McCoy. I really do think she is. And then Sulu and Janice find a hickey, salted guy, crew member, dead guy. A dead guy with the hickey things on his face. Mm-hmm. And then uh, McCoy falls asleep, and Nancy becomes McCoy because they're calling him to the bridge. So. Do you think that was her plan, trying to get him to sleep earlier so that she could become him? No, I think that she could tell he was feeling drained i think that she has a like it's poorly written like you said like there's not enough distinguish you know you can't distinguish but i do think that the creature is like the feelings that 
Koi had for Nancy back in the day when they had a flame, like, and, and that he's looking at her with, I think the creature likes it because she keeps returning to him. Mm. And she's taking care of him where everyone else she's, you know, eating, draining, yeah. like him yeah. she's actually taking care of. Yeah, there has to be something. Like, so that... There has to be something about that because, like, before when she decided to turn into green, she killed green and then took his body. There's no reason why it wouldn't have done the same thing to McCoy unless there is some kind of an emotional reason, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she does She does but, appeal to him again later, but we'll get to that. Well, and if you think about all the people that she's impersonated, uh, that this is the one, you know, that says something about McCoy and his capacity for love, that that's who she, you know, the one she actually feels for. Mm-hmm. Like the... The pleasure planet woman and the and the handsome dude and all these other people she's impersonated and and made herself look like she wants to be Nancy from McCoy and so I mm-hmm. that already sort of recommends McCoy to you even if you don't you know anyway uh, on the surface Spock and Kirk try to get Crater and he shoots at them and they find Green's dead body. While on I, the bridge, Nancy slash McCoy learns they're on to him. So what do you think? Bum, bum, bum. I think that phase of fight was cool. I like the, the center pillar uh, blowing up. Yeah. You know. I was you know, the, the set, expecting that. The set's not like, so oh, precious. That, yeah. Yeah. It, it put, put some real stakes in there that, you know, Crater's got a, a bigger gun than they do, can take out that whole thing. Start- and, it, you know, there's – go ahead. The Star Trek guns are, like, like they seem so small and, like, meaningless, but then it's, like, once they shoot them, like, that effect on that gun blast was, like, insane looking. Like, it's like... Yeah. It's like the, uh, what is it, Menno, Menno Noisy Black Cricket. Is, the Noisy Cricket, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked that, you know, it showed, it, even in that moment, Kirk can, Kirk still got a lot of personality... When he's talking to Spock, it shows them having strategy. I don't know. I really, it was a really, really cool scene for me. Well, and as he's sneaking up on Crater and they capture Crater, like he is, it is hilarious. He is like a Pink Panther cartoon or something, because like you could just hear him, hear it go do 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 do, because he's like, oh yeah, standing behind this brick, and then he's crawling to this this block of you know, rock. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's standing. Like, it was like something I'd see my kids do if they're trying to sneak on someone. Like, it was just so funny. And, like, you got to know that the chat is having so much fun doing that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's, <laughs> having, he's having a heyday. Something cool, too, in that scene, when they when they stun Crater, did you notice his voice got lower yeah. as an effect to show how he was stunned. I didn't get it at first. When I watched it the second time, I realized that that's what, that's what they were doing. At least I think it's what they were doing. Like his vocal cords had been stunned as well, so he's kind of having trouble. Something, yeah, because that's why yeah, they, they pitch-shifted him down a little bit. Oh, that's cool. I didn't notice that, but that's really cool. I may have to I don't, think, I don't know that it, I don't remember them ever doing that again. Maybe I just never noticed it. I think I have to adjust my score for noises because of that, actually. I know, maybe I should... I don't know what I scored it. Eh, I will too. Okay, that was that was it going up. That was our sound effect for the score going up. 
Okay, so when they capture Crater, they talk about a buffalo metaphor, which I think maybe we might save till the end to discuss the buffalo okay. metaphor, if that's okay. Sure, um, sure. Then, cra- then they're, they bring them whoop, up into the, um, onto the ship, and they're, you know, all in this, you know, like conference room talking and crater is refusing to tell if if you can see the creature where the creature would be and they debate the morality of crater's relationship with the creature saying that like um that creature that that crater is just using the creature for uh his own pleasure Mm. because it can be whoever he wants it to be which might explain part of why you know if there's some truth to that part of why the uh, creature is seeking companionship with McCoy instead of Crater. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I liked it was, I liked uh, Kirk's little uh, tiny monologue there. You know, it's your own personal, whatever it is, your own personal planet, you know, yeah. serve it and all that stuff. A lot, lot of interesting implications that they don't really get into, but they don't really need to. That scene. But at least they bring it up, you know what I mean? They, they don't do. let it go unsaid because I wasn't even thinking about what Crater was getting out of it at that point. You know, I was more, you know, interested in, you know, the people that I know I'm going to care about in the future, like McCoy, and like, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about, you know, like if we go back to uh, the pilot and the the uh, the prison. You know what I mean? And the girl, what was her name? Vina? Vina Vina. that was, yeah, imprisoned, you know, and she began to love her prison. It's like, does that make the salt, like if Crater is essentially by isolation kind of imprisoning the salt monster, does that make the salt monster kind of like Vina except for it wants to escape? Hmm. I had not considered that. So does that make the salt monster kind of human in a way? Because it wants freedom? Or is it just a vampire in Hungary? Uh, I, if I had to venture a guess, I would say it, it wanted to be the former, but ended up being the latter. That maybe its hunger was a more powerful force than its, than its uh, rational side. Yeah, like its basic need was so much that it couldn't fill it enough to like on your your is it Maslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever where you have mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. you know have like this basic you know needs met before you can reach any kind of I don't know philosophical thought or whatever maybe it was there stuck there because it was starving. Yeah. Well, for a species to have completely depleted its own natural resources, it it had a hunger that that was stronger than its than its intellect. It's sort of like us and energy, right? Yep, mm-hmm. I had just just put the, I just put those together. <laughs> yeah, to- talking about this episode with with you two has made me think it's a lot deeper than I originally thought. I I originally just thought of it as like kind of like a horror movie with a like a broken-hearted love story thrown in. Mm-hmm. But I guess there's more levels to it than I had originally thought. I think... Um, that's good sci-fi. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why, it, you know, like in these scenes, like that conference room scene, which 
could be nothing but filler. What they are doing with their writing and addressing it even on the periphery means that they have the thoughts and they have the motives. And maybe they could have, you know, made it more, in, you know, engaging than just talking in a conference room to bring these subjects up. And they could have made more with the storyline. They are making the point of some of these things, and I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Maybe some of it is uh, studio interference because if the original pilot was accused of being too uh, too cerebral, they might have had to dumb some of that down. Yeah. And, that's, and this is what we're getting. Well, and it's still not dumb enough for me to get all of it, so keep dumbing it down more. That's... <laughs> okay, so they decide – here's some dumb – Spock goes, well, why don't we get some truth serum and use it on uh, on Crater to get him to tell us who the salt monster is. So there they have Veritas serum without the per- the point of having to brew it over a long time. You know, you know, <laughs> they're just going to go get some truth serum from the med bay. So uh, they go off Spock and, and the Nancy McCoy and, and Crater and um, – then they come. The next scene is Spock, you know, debilitated, knocked out by uh, by the creature that was, you know, McCoy. Right. And the creature runs to becomes Nancy again, runs to McCoy for help. So, did how did Spock not see that coming? Like, <laughs> you know. I, I wonder know. what Spock sees when he looks at the salt vampire, because, you oh. know, in his logical mind. I I wonder what he would see there. Because he's not going to look at her and see, hmm. oh, this is this one girl I was in love with or whatever. Well, at this point, it's making itself look like McCoy to everyone. Right. But if he saw it, like, I don't know anything about, like, I can't remember much Vulcan, like, they do fall in love, though. They, well, it they seems definitely like get married. And such. Vulcans <laughs> do. They, they, their emotions are so strong. That's why they have to repress them because they have yeah. stronger emotions than humans. Um, yeah. But I, I don't, there's, I don't think there's anything there for Spock to have, to Spock to have missed. If he doesn't, you know, he knows Crater isn't the creature. He doesn't. He has no reason to suspect McCoy's the creature. I don't think he, he would have been expecting to have been ambushed. No, because it's just the basic cannibals and missionaries <laughs> thing. You know, if you got one guy that you know's working on the cannibal team, one guy that you can't be sure of. And just yourself? No. You're risking well, and that's, a that's lot something else that surprises process. me, too. And that's something that maybe they haven't finished his character yet, which is obvious from the next episode. But Vulcans are strong, and he couldn't even wrest a gun away from McCoy later. Hmm. So he should have been able to handle himself. But I guess, they, like I said, they haven't finished his character yet. Yeah. I, think, uh, I don't know. I, and maybe he thought McCoy was on his side, so the only person he wasn't sure yeah. about was Crater. So he thought that... But you can't know for sure that McCoy's on your side. Well, like they're they're supposed to be do, in the situation where it could be in of them. How do how do we know if anyone's on our side, Vic? Maybe you're both against me right now. I don't know. You know I'm on your side, <laughs> Phil. That's what a yes, salt vampire would say. Both on your side. They're <laughs> both oh, salt when vampires. I was a kid, when I was a kid, I had a, an extreme salt deficiency iodine deficiency and my mom used to refer to this episode oh. and i didn't get it but now i get it now you get it wait okay. did you did you say a few minutes ago you had what was it something you said something about the truth serum i think i missed it whatever you said veritas potion veritas serum yeah from harry potter oh okay i've never seen or read it 
goodness. That's uncomfortable. Sorry. Sorry if I offended you. That kind of hurt me. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay. I, I think you'd like, you might like those books if you have time, right? They're fun. Oh, I have nothing against them. It's just, yeah, I just haven't, haven't come across my desk yet. Oh, <clears throat> oh okay. Um, <laughs> I'm right. a little lost now. Let me find where I am. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to throw okay. you off kilter. Nancy runs to McCoy for help, and Kirk wants to kill her. And McCoy's, you know, so they're in, in McCoy's little room, and Nancy's like, help me, he wants to kill me. And Kirk's like, I want to kill her, she's a monster. And McCoy's like, what's going on? I took drugs. And then um, <laughs> Kirk lures Nancy with the with the salt tablets and um like like you would a dog come and get it here it is come and get it I know and she just looks at it like <laughs> I just realized you guys can't see my face when I'm saying she looks at him like <laughs> and, and um and uh so Nancy starts attacking him and Spock runs in and hits her and McCoy's confused and it's all this action and and then uh. Uh, Spock's like, look at it. I'm beating on it, and it doesn't feel anything. And it just whams Spock across the across and bam into the wall, and he slides down. And then McCoy shoots the 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 suction monster because it's trying to kill Kirk, and it transforms into this thing with suction fingers and a sucky face hole and and fur all over, and it dies. So, uh. One th- I'm not sure how comfortable I am with Spock punching Nancy. I, I know uh, it's a life or death situation, and Nancy is actually a salt vampire, but still, I was like, seems a little rough. Um, like this is this is uh, a scene a that someone trying could... to kill people, right. even if it's presenting as female. Right. It is a monster trying to kill people, and if it's if this is some kind of man hitting woman thing, you're not sure about. It's a it's sexist to not want to hit a murderer because yeah. it's female. I'm just worried about... Killing the captain. If this were to come out now, just imagine the gifts that would be made for this thing. That's what I'm... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could make that a gift. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, uh, I also... Uh, kind of going back a little bit. When the, monst- the salt vampire was impersonating McCoy, and they weren't yeah. sure which one was McCoy... Is this where we get the uh, phrase "the real McCoy" from? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna go I with that. No, I need to get Mary Webster on this. My life head canon is that that is absolutely right. Um, that salt vampire costume is just ridiculous. It looks like they bought it at a Halloween store. They got a swamp monster costume and a witch wig, and put them together. And that's what they ended up with. Are you yeah. serious? Uh, I liked it. I like it because it's so it is crazy, on like everybody's. It <laughs> it's okay, on everybody's it's, list of like the ten worst Star Trek monsters of all time. It's poorly executed, but the design, the sadness in its eyes, and like the ever okay, hungry look in its mouth, and like the finger thing, like okay, that's how it gives the hickeys, I guess. I wasn't crazy about that but you know it was mammalian and you know i don't know like in the well, face i, always... I like the face i liked how expressive the face was for a poorly execute like i don't expect the execution to for be. a completely unarticulated face yes yeah the, the mask the mask had some sadness and emotion to it 
But I guess I always question the design of the creatures and see if they match the environment. And so often, there, I feel like there's so little consideration for whatever the creature they make. To me, right? I don't see how a creature that's covered in fur does well in the desert. I don't know. I don't know. The creature didn't seem to match the terrain for me. But we don't know I, that I, the I, desert's hot. Hmm. The way that they're dressed when they're there, I, I would assume that that's why they indicate that it's hot. I would assume that's why they kept getting salt is because they were in a. Oh, oh yeah, they, they they do make that point. Because oh. yeah. salt helps you retain water, so. But they also had destroyed their planet. You know, this is the last one. Might, might not have always been a desert. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. That's true. Um, <laughs> I uh. Okay, so the the theme that I was getting from this episode. Which I think is going to be different from yours. But I really was looking at this from McCoy's point of view. Um, and that this episode was about him getting over his ex-wife. Uh, or ex-girlfriend or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, in that way I really kind of liked what was going on in this episode. And, the, and his decision at the end to debilitate the monster was... Uh, kind of cathartic in a way, like yes, he has moved on, you know. Uh, wait, wait, debilitate? You mean kill it? I, Is that I, how we I get over our exes? <laughs> I couldn't remember if it if his phaser was on stun or murder. I don't. Uh, was actually did he actually well, kill Spock? I'm I'm pretty sure Spock yelled out, "Kill it!" Or uh, maybe not. I don't remember, but I, I'm I I got the impression that that they killed it, which bothered me a little bit. Uh, well, this... I think it, they absolutely killed it because while they're sitting at the Indian scene is Kirk um, sitting on the captain's chair and they they can pull out away from the planet, but they don't quite. And he, they're like, what's up? What's up, Captain? And he's like, oh, I'm thinking about the buffalo. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Well um, so I, I kind of uh, liked it on that level a lot. The, the thing about getting over an ex. It made me. Yeah. I, I thought it was cool for the sci-fi story to do something which is so relatable and kind of emotional in a way. Um, even though Star Trek can sometimes feel sort of cold and unemotional, it's good that it, it was able to make a connection like that. It made me think of, you know, when I was trying to get over a girl and me and Steve got together and watched The Wedding Singer and just cried to each other for a while. <laughs> <laughs> this this is the Star Trek version of that, I think. Gotcha. Well, with, the, know, with I, the killing and the X, I think that would be like burning their stuff or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's a better metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're just nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time kind of uh nailing down the theme we talked about several different ones today but the one that stuck out to me most was you know was the buffalo that Vic said being the last line of the show something crater brought up and we tell us what the buffalo metaphor is like what they're saying in the show with the buffalo because we said we'd deal with it at the end would you talk about just saying just saying well i guess i guess by the time star trek came around this episode happened all the buffalo have died out on earth um so yeah, I don't know. Like, what what are, what are the circumstances that would bring one species to 
completely eradicate another. We have humans killing the, an alien that's the last of its kind. And how many times have they done that on their own planet? Because they, they, don't they mention two? They mention the buffalo and another one, don't they? Doesn't Crater mention a second um, I don't creature? remember the second. Oh. If they did, but, I didn't write it down. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I, there's I something the there to that, but I, I I couldn't quite pull out. I couldn't pull out in like in a. I couldn't put into a sense what the theme was, but it's. Um. Yeah, because something if, about that. Because I thought about that buffalo thing, and I thought, well, then this is a very depressing episode because they're like, the before that they were building up. This is the last creature of its species. We need to find a way to preserve it, kind of, and then they just end up. Oh no, we just have to kill this thing. So I was like. Well, what is the well there was that we two just arguments. There today? was there was <laughs> argument was um he was comparing the salt creature to the buffalo and he was saying that that they they used to like fill the planet but they had you know died out but this was the last one and that they had a moral obligation to preserve the last one but then Kirk's argument is. Well, not if the last one is killing us. If the last of the creature is a monster, then it should be destroyed. The species should end. And um, that was the two opposing sides of it. And then they hit another thing where another side of it was, uh, like, I almost think McCoy said it. Nancy McCoy said it, but it might have been Craters. I think it was Nancy McCoy that said uh, it only is killing because it, it's hungry like if we could just feed it it wouldn't kill and so those are the three yeah. sides of the debate like so you got the one that's using it and loving it saying preserve it at all costs because it's the last of its kind you got another one saying if it's killing it needs to die and you have a third that's saying just please provide for me mm-hmm. and, and so went with, just kill it just kill it hmm Kirk has, in that last thing, Kirk has a whole bunch of salt tablets. Like, so is, it a, it is that a commentary on, on humanity? That, that That's the option we choose? Is it a commentary on humanity or just a commentary on the Enterprise? Well, if they're referencing the Buffalo, they're referencing yeah. our time and place in history. And they're, well, and they're, they're suggesting right. that we eventually kill the Buffalo. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Let's, Something uh, to maybe Star Trek. Sometimes we don't have all the answers. Maybe it's. Well, I think that Star Trek, like in, in general, what I remember of Next Generation is Star Trek isn't about the answers. It's about making yourself ask the questions. Yeah. Yeah. Post a lot of good questions. Don't necessarily have to answer them. That's good. Well articulated. Ratings, uh, Phil, you yeah. want to start with your lowest rating? Uh, sure. Well, I feel like I have to rework some of my ratings here. Um, yeah, I, I was while we were doing it too. I was like, like ah, change that, change that. <laughs> I think my lowest score was in effects, uh, but I don't know if it's really the fault of the show for some of these effects. Uh, like when we talked about the, the phaser blazer blast, it does not live up to my st- standards from, say, Star Wars. 
Um, but maybe at the time it was okay. But So I gave that a 4, which isn't too bad, but could be better. Um, but the highest score I gave it was actually in theme, because I related to that theme pretty well. <clears throat> and it made me remember a good time I had with my friend Steve. And, well, I'm thinking of the McCoy love story theme. Um, so that I gave a 7. And uh, my total score... Mm. Well, right... I don't know. I feel like stuff's going to be adjusted. Come back to me for the total score while I can add some stuff up. Okay, Rain, you want to go next? Yeah. Uh, I gave my lowest score to Innovation. Um, I didn't see much in the way of world building. We, we got to know some more of the characters better, or at all, because we introduced to a lot of the characters in this one. Um, I didn't see a lot from this episode, other than maybe the endurance of the salt vampire as more of a joke than anything that carried through to other episodes. Maybe I missed it, um, watched it a couple times. but So yeah, I gave Innovation a four. And then my highest, um, I gave it to Noises. I actually gave Noises an eight because I love, um, I thought there were some great music cues. Mm-hmm. I thought the score of this episode was great. We got to some, we got to those classic, uh, in some way classic 60s music cues, but in some ways classic Star Trek uh, music cues. Um, I thought a lot of the science noises you know, at Spock, Science Consult, those were starting to get really iconic and good. I loved Beauregard screaming and I I mentioned earlier Crater's voice being slowed down I thought was an interesting choice so I gave it an 8 one of my lowest ones was performances now this is not Kirk this is not Spock this is not McCoy actually I was super impressed by the actor that's McCoy but um, it was Nancy (laughs) I thought the mm. actress that was Nancy was so bad. So I lo- rated that low, but now after thinking about it again, I'm like, oh, maybe I should rate that higher because Green was good. And Darnell was, you know, inappropriate, but he was good. Shoot, so maybe I need to adjust that, but Nancy was bad. And then um, my highest one was theme. I was going with the Buffalo theme, not the breakup theme, but the breakup theme is good too. But the Buffalo mm-hmm. theme, you know, I'm a sucker for a, a sad philosophical thing. You know what I mean? Sure. That, that makes me think that, like, that's the kind of thing that moves me. And so, like, I gave that an 8, actually. And my total score was a 54, which I think the pilot was a 30-something. I yeah. don't know. But it was a Yeah, you and Phil were in the 30s. It um, was, this was way better. Yeah, I added up my total score is now a 61, which, yeah, my first one was a 34, so definitely trending in a good direction and my total yeah my total for this was a 63 so phil and i are just about the same yeah i'm probably gonna go up now that i think about all the other performers i was just annoyed at nancy so i scored that yeah. low so final scores will be on the site on the uh, uh in the in the ratings tab but uh yeah <laughs> It, was there anything else, research officer, that you, you came across? Um, there wasn't much in this episode. Uh, um, the salt vampire, as it's known to fans, uh, 
weapons in the show. It's only known as the M113 creature. Um, I mentioned earlier how much I like Beauregard. I wish he'd make another uh, entrance, but he doesn't as far as I'm aware. And we do have in this episode our very first mention of Saurian Brandy, which makes many more uh, mentions in this series, others, and even the new movies. Um, I think they, uh, they're drinking Saurian Brandy in Star Trek Beyond. Oh, wow. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a favorite of the show. <laughs> and our communications officer, Mr. Phil, do you have any emails or anything for us today? Yeah. Well, I, uh, we didn't get any emails because we're actually recording these before we release, so we don't have any way for yeah. fans to <laughs> So, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll have uh, every once in a while in these episodes, we'll still have some messages from friends and such. But uh, today... What I did, I went on to Reddit. I went to r slash Star Trek just to see what kind of Reddit, what Reddit was wondering about. Found a question that I think is kind of applicable to this episode, so I thought I'd ask it here. Uh, this is by Reddit user Enthusiasmuzzy. <laughs> hmm. Says, uh, "Am I the only one who can't stand bones?" Uh, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I find Bones the most irritating and tedious character of any Star Trek series. He, const- he consistently bashes on Spock for being what he is, even goes so far as to comment on his biology. He gives up, and everyone else has to convince him to try or have hope in a situation. He's not extraordinarily heroic or clever, and he says completely out-of-character things in his most southern of accents, like, I'm just a country doctor. And reminisces about a place that sounds a lot like the South in the 1940s. I just don't care for his character one bit. Ever since I watched the show at age five on, he ruins scenes and sprains my eyes, eye rolls, with his repetitive anti-Vulcan comments and negativity. So Bones, is he racist against Vulcans? Do we do we like Vol- do we like Bones? What do you think? Uh. This is my first episode of Bones, so I don't know. Do you have any first impressions? My first impressions are that the actor is amazing, like more expressive than most of them, I think, um, with less to do. Yeah, he's and then he's he's a lot more subtle than the other actors, I think. Where the other actors seem like they're ripped from being on in Shakespeare plays or something. He's he's a lot more about just kind of giving a certain look to the camera or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like he, it's, yeah, and like the fact that from this one episode that the salt creature wanted him above everyone else shows a depth to his character, which I don't know if I'm just reading into it. So I don't know. Like from this one episode, I liked him, but I have more to learn for sure. I like Bones because he's a great foil to both Spock and Kirk. Um, Kirk and Spock have stuff in common. I mean, they they are they they are very good friends, and we see. Um, well, I guess it's later episodes. The Kirk. Uh, I remember how to say this. I don't know. He's a good foil. He's country when the other ones are more. Or I don't want to say. Urbanite, you know, they're more, more, uh, they're smoother. Mm-hmm. I'm not finding any words, right words to say any of this. He's good because he contrasts their characters. 
He's good because he's he is the um, it's it's a uh, gosh my brain's completely failing me here. Um, a unique perspective. That yeah yeah we'll go with, we'll go with that for now until I can figure out what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I I think what I like about Bones is that he isn't very heroic like the other characters are as much. Like he's. He, more than the others, seems like he's there because he's like, look, this is my job and I'm going to be a doctor like I trained to be. But he, I feel like he's not someone who's like, I want to get lost on alien planets and get into laser gun fights. Like, he, that's not what he wants to do. And I, I appreciate that. He's kind of more relatable in a way because of that. Um, and it also makes exactly the fact that Kirk does want to do that stuff makes him seem like more heroic in comparison. Um, but I could also see why someone would not like Bones because of that very reason, you know? Because uh, he can kind of be a stick in the mud sometimes, where he's like, I don't want to do that stuff. I just want to sit around here. He can be, he can be, but like you said, he, we, the other characters need some, um, someone to react against. And sure, Bones can serve as an audience surrogate in those circumstances, but then that makes us, like you said, said that makes us invite even more when Kirk does step out and and, and be brave. So I think we, it, he helps he helps us identify he, we identify with him and then he helps us identify with the others even more too. Well, and I don't know because I haven't seen it, but when you're thinking about a character whose life you know ambition is being a doctor and wanting to heal people, it makes sense that he he's not you know gung ho on you know using the guns right. you know doing things that could hurt people it makes a lot of right. sense that you know if he if he's to do no harm if he I, and I don't know him but if he's a doctor I, I all that makes sense to me yeah yeah and again it's it's also contrasting here we have a show set far in the future and yet here is someone who is still has country values and ideals yeah. I don't know. I I I don't. I, I love everything about him. I don't understand someone hating him. I guess. Uh, everyone everyone hates someone. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be people yeah. that hate every character. So sorry, Enthusiasm, you are the only one who can't stand Bones. But that's not true. Anyway. I'm sure you're not alone. <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone. Um, well, that's all I had for our communications today. Okay, well, our next episode, uh, next week, oh no, what's it called? Oh, I forgot to write it down. Charlie X. Charlie X, (laughs) uh, where they have an interesting uh, passenger on the Enterprise. Um, Thanks for listening, and be sure to send us your thoughts. What was that email address that they can contact us at? Theprimereflective at gmail.com. Or you can comment on the blog post on www.theprimarilyreflective.com. Uh, Later, losers. Bye. <laughs> Bye.